This interview was brought to you by the Center for Leadership and Athletics at the University of Washington, an academic and research center within the College of Education. We have two special events coming up, both of which are free and open to the public. On Wednesday, January 27th at noon, the Center, in partnership with the WIAA, will be hosting the next in the Women As series of keynotes and discussions. This week, join us for Women as Culture Builders. And then on Saturday, January 30th, from 8.30 to noon, the Center is again partnering with the WIAA, as well as We Coach and Seattle Children's Hospital to host a special Return to Play session, where coaches can get the resources they need to bring athletes back to sports safely after they've been removed from sport for up to a year during COVID. We have a great team of facilitators for that event that will cover how to structure practice sessions, injury prevention, and the various physical and mental health concerns to consider when bringing teams back together after this last year. To learn more and for registration for either event, visit the center's website at uwcla.uw.edu. Welcome back, everyone. We're here for our final segment with Sam Moore, Director of Sports Science and Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at NC State University. We're discussing how training and sport experiences can be better designed to meet the needs of female athletes. In our last segment, we really talked about the physiology, hormonal landscapes, and some training models that are designed specifically around female physiology and designed to maximize the performance gains for the female athlete. Today, we're gonna focus on youth and adolescent development, specifically some of the ways that coaches can support female athletes who are going through puberty. Sam, let's start by looking at the technical and tactical learning elements for female athletes who are going through puberty. What concerns you with today's prevailing training systems? And then let's compare that with a system that's designed specifically to support young female athletes. Right. I think going back to my understanding or or my perception of my athlete experience when I was a young girl, um, nine years old playing in a tackle football league. It's, it's this, this permeating understanding that we are out of place. Right. And, and we know it and we can feel it. And we see the differences in even PE classes of how young girls approach these dodgeball games and young boys approach dodgeball games and things like that. And, and so we're taught by society that we're not made for sport. And that's that the comparison of the gender roles and the gender identities of masculine versus feminine. But with that, we see girls dropping out of sport at alarming rates. And so I think we have to really understand the epigenetic effect of estrogen versus testosterone and think about that, right? So when testosterone is present for boys in puberty, they're gaining these muscles, right? And it, it happens a bit later. We always talk about how girls mature sooner than boys and and we make, you know, at times excuses for certain behaviors, but the, the effects of testosterone is gaining muscle and gaining strength and gaining power and hypertrophy and all these things. And with estrogen, though it is anabolic, that's not the same experience because we also have progesterone present. So with girls in, in puberty, we see widening of hips and, and, you know, growth of breasts and those things aren't necessarily taught to be indicative of sport. Um, I know for me, when I was a freshman in high school, I was five foot five and I think 115 pounds. And when I finished as a senior, I was six foot one and, 
you know, 175 pounds. And so that's a, that's a different person. Right. And, and I was lucky that the things that I was good at when I was young, which was, you know, the four by one and pole vault, um, and the 400 meter, those were not the same things that I went to state in as a senior. And so, you know, the, the big picture is that we have to understand what's happening in puberty. And with that epigenetic experience of puberty, young girls, they can't necessarily hit the same outcomes that are being asked of them as their boy counterparts. So when you have a freshman in high school, that's a girl versus a boy, and you're, you know, giving her cues to, you know, create power and strength and speed, she might be frustrated, because she could do that when she was 10 and 12. And now at 14, she can't, right? She's gained weight. Her center of gravity is different. Her carrying angle is different. And so if those are the cues that you're maintaining, uh, because that's the stage in development for boys, that they should start to be able to do those things, then you're going to make girls feel unsuccessful. And it's just going to be another reminder of them being a girl in a boy's world. And so I think understanding that epigenetic effect and then creating attainable outcomes with them. So um, this is something that I got to experience firsthand with my dad, who is a high school throws coach, and he's been very successful. Um, and he's had, you know, a multiple state champions under his his tenure as the Newport High School throws coach. Um, but we had a conversation, I think it was maybe a year and a half ago now, about how he should cue his female athletes and what he should create as, as a successful day being a thrower under his coaching. And so I kind of started to talk to him about technique and how we need to reteach these girls who now have, you know, my mom always called it my big girl body, but when you go from five foot five to six foot one, it really is a big girl. Um, you know, with my big girl body, how to move, right? I, I need to relearn how to run and how to jump and importantly, how to land and how to throw things. And we know that our body is different. It's not that we are not aware of it because now we're a lot more aware of the social pressure. So we're aware of what other people think of us and what other people think of our body. And, you know, middle school and high school can be a pretty damaging time when it comes to that. But if we can, my dad, we started to work towards creating these attainable outcomes. So we are very technique based, right? And his training practices for his girls started to become much more functional in terms of functional movement development, rather than just PRs with the shot put every day. So working on, you know, breaking technique down into much more bite-sized chunks. And then if they got it right, not necessarily pushing them to do it right 20 more times so that they don't forget it, but just celebrating. You did it. You checked the box that I have for you today, which was this bite-sized chunk of your technique. It was a functional movement capacity. Um, that's great. That's what I wanted from you. Good day. Go home. Right. It doesn't, he doesn't have to have them out there for three hours, just repping out a movement or repping out a shot put throw to have a successful day. And that's something that has really changed the way that he looks at what female athletes need. So, you know, understanding puberty and then creating attainable and, and helpful and applicable outcomes for the longevity of your female athletes is going to be super important. Um, and so, you know, I think we can go big picture with this, but, but at its, at its core, we have to understand what, is created for what about what you're doing is created for your adolescent female athletes. And if it's not created for them, 
then it's likely going to be a damaging experience. And so the more female athletes that I talk to about how to work with adolescent women or adolescent girls in sport and how to keep them in sport and how to make them feel successful with what they're bringing to the table in the midst and and quickly after puberty, the more experiences that I hear that are incredibly damaging. And it makes me understand why girls drop out of sport at the rates that they do. Um, I was really lucky that I had a coach and then I also had my dad who continued to push me to try different events as I went through high school. My freshman year, um, I set the school record in the 300 hurdles, you know, again, at, at five, five, 115 pounds. And my senior year, I'm setting the school record for triple jump, right? And, and my only running event was the 100 meter hurdles because I was, I was fast, but I couldn't do it for a long time, right? So my athletic capacity changed so dramatically in high school, but I was in an environment where I was pushed to try new events that would suit the changes that I was going through. And I don't think that every girl is that lucky. I don't think that every girl has coaches that can understand and, and be aware of her subjective and objective development to find successful outcomes and successful situations for them. And so we need to be aware of the outcomes that we're placing on these young girls as the barometer of success and whether or not that's attainable or that's damaging to their development as a woman and also secondarily as an athlete. Yeah, I hear a couple layers here. And, you know, when the coach development trainings we do through the CLA, I mean, we talk a lot about long-term athlete development and understanding the, the physical stage of development. Obviously, psychological and emotional stage is also incredibly important, but we're talking specifically right now about the physical changes that athletes are going through during puberty, and they're more vulnerable during those changes. And, and th- this is true for male athletes as well. Okay. So there, there are a couple of layers. One is that, that increased level of vulnerability. Then you, when you have add this other layer for young girls or adolescent girls who are going through puberty, you know, you have the, the fast rates of, of growth. And then that's layered with this changing hormonal landscape. That's also increasing that level of vulnerability, right? Right. 100%. And I think, you know, obviously that gets that can get missed in, in what I talk about because that's, uh, that's not where my mind goes, but I think it's 100% right. Um, and I think with that, you know, we've, we're missing this huge window of, of reteaching these basic movement patterns to our male, but also female athletes. I think males can, can probably get away with it for longer, but female athletes, um, and Marcia, you and I have touched on this before, but what does our availability for training, and then also our rehabilitation and our injury prevalence at the collegiate level look like when we take this time during and immediately after puberty in high school to teach these fundamental movement patterns. Because for our girls, their bodies are brand new. Their bodies have completely changed and they're hyper aware of that. And so we need to teach them to move safely and economically with these new bodies and you know, in my opinion, I think that that would create a longevity of availability at the collegiate level and likely reduce surgical and rehabilitation costs of these, these, you know, season ending damages to, to ligament injury or bone injury, um, things like that. Because if we can teach our, our female athletes to move safely with their, you know, grown up or post pubescent bodies, then we're going to create a healthier, 
safer, more well-rounded athlete to perform at the highest level of sport. Great. And if we can do that successfully and we are helping them develop a sense of confidence and a sense of self-efficacy and, um, you know, awareness about their body and their own health. And, you know, as you mentioned early on in the podcast, holistic wellness, holistic well-being, that's physical, psychological, and emotional. And for these athletes who are at this stage of development, you know, every part of that is more vulnerable. There's so much happening in terms of physical development, but brain and identity and how we associate with our peers. There's just so much happening. And, and, and this is a stage in their development where we need to be so patient, so patient. You know, I mean, this is process, like when you're talking about a heightened level of awareness that coaches need to bring when working with athletes who are, who are developing through puberty, like how long are we talking here? You're saying they come with a whole new body. Like how long is that process on average of kind of being able to settle into that? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I'm not sure if I can quite put a number on it because I do think that it matters the type of training that they receive early on, you know? So I, I think about myself and I think about the way that, that my coaches and my parents, really, my mom was, you know, my high school volleyball coach and my dad was a track coach and the way that they developed me as an athlete really consistently put me at the level where I could get to the college landscape and I could train really hard when I got there because I knew how my body worked. Um, but I, I, you know, I learned to Olympic lift when I was 12, right. And not everyone gets that experience. And so I think the longer that we go getting out from, from puberty, the longer that it's going to take when we start implementing these things, because these, these inapplicable or inefficient, or unsafe movement patterns, they get just more ingrained and more myelinated as it goes. So I think, you know, I get female athletes at the college level who are sophomores and juniors and still don't know how to do a correct skip, right? Don't know how to do a correct sprint. And so these really basic, even locomotive patterns are not developed. And the longer that we get out from puberty of, of taking that time to really develop them and focus on the details um, of how that that athlete is anthropometrically changed the longer that it takes to do so. Um, so I would say that the earlier onset of that kind of work is super crucial. And it actually, in my, in my guess, my educated guess, it would probably shorten the time that that training would need to be implemented. How, um, what suggestions do you have for coaches who are working in maybe youth, middle or high school, they are working with athletes who are in this vulnerable stage of development but they're working in a team landscape. Maybe they're the only coach there and it's a, it's a big team and we're trying to meet the individual needs of a lot of different people within a team environment. What suggestions do you have for those coaches? Cause that can feel kind of overwhelming. Two things come to mind. One, I would say warm up. I think that warm ups is a great time to get in some really functional movement training without them knowing that you're bringing them back to the basics, right? Because you have to start slow you can't get into a full speed sprint or you can't, you know, play your game full go at the very beginning when you show up. I mean, you can when you're 14, but at my age, you're very sore and you're not going to be able to do it. It's going to take a 45 minute warm up, right? So warm ups are a time when you can implement some of that training without them necessarily knowing it. And it's good for everyone, right? So, so we talk about biological age and then training age, and you're going to have a wide range at the high school level 
of some athletes who have been, you know, training personal trainer on the side for years and some that are brand new. And so warmups is something where you can take every athlete through these basic patterns and some of them, it'll be a review and some of them it's really, really necessary. And you can kind of allow for, you know, some days like, you know, even with my soccer team, I don't do the same warm up every single day before practice because when they come in on Tuesday and they've had two days off, we need a little bit more activation versus the third day of a three day training block. They're going to need a little bit more mobility work and push that activation a little later. So you can use warm ups to implement certain types of functional movement training. Um, and then I think another part that is missed, especially when you start getting to the higher levels of sport, but just more competitive at any age is that it's okay to make your athletes feel successful, right? So often we're given, I I know, I know it seems so simple, but you know, so often we're given this mantra of like, you know, you should never be complacent and you always have to just do these crazy things to work hard and be the best. And if you're not willing to do it, your competition is and, and all these things. And we're so afraid that these athletes are going to be entitled or, you know, X, Y, and Z that we don't, always take the time to make them feel successful when they've done something that we've asked them to do. Right. So, you know, my parents, again, were both collegiate all Americans and and very good at their sports. Um, and we were a very accountable household. And so in recent years, you know, I've talked to my parents about how they raised us and they were so terrified that we were going to be complacent that it was kind of one of those, like, nothing's ever quite good enough. Like, you reach this benchmark that we set for you, but that just means there's another one on the way, right? If you hit a goal, that just means you get to increase the goal. And we don't ever spend enough time celebrating that win. And I think especially for girls, if we want to keep girls in sport, because the truth of the matter is we don't want to keep girls in sport so that they can win the Olympics, right? I mean, that's great. Like, that's a goal. If that's possible, let's freaking do it. Let's do everything we can to get them there but the majority of girls are not going to get there and that's okay. We want girls in sport because it teaches them what we've talked about so far, that self-awareness, that confidence, that ability to um, create and cultivate your own identity. It gives you these intangibles of how to work hard and be disciplined and be a good teammate and know that you deserve, you know, equity and things like that. The intangibles of of being a, a good human, that's what we learn in sport. And that's what we want to teach our girls. And they deserve that opportunity. And so if we need to find small wins to celebrate, to to make girls feel successful in this environment, then we need to take every opportunity to do so. And I don't think that it's damaging to make my athletes feel successful. And if you don't think that I am cheering my face off when I can get, you know, an athlete to do a full depth body weight squat for the first time after eight months of a quarter squat, you're joking, right? What are the wins? And and are we actively seeking those wins out? Because I do think that it's important to make our athletes feel more successful as a whole discipline of sport, especially at the adolescent level. Yeah. I love hearing you talk about that, Sam. I love that coaching philosophy and thinking back to what we were discussing in the physiology component that we're trying to get athletes or those were leading to kind of to welcome new ways of operating and welcome new ways of training. Like one of the very best ways we can facilitate that change is illustrating those small wins. It's such a powerful motivational tool for athletes, for all of us, for all of us as humans. Right. And I think selfishly, 
it creates buy-in, right? For if I'm sure. Gonna my, if I'm going to make my athletes do, and I always call it hippy dippy. If we're going to do our hippy dippy breathing in front of the mirror, um, and then you know they they come to me and they said, "Oh, Sam, I was I was getting really amped up about the game tomorrow, and I did some of my breathing in front of the mirror, and it, it brought me down, and I had a good night of sleep." Like I'm going to celebrate that because it's then going to create buy-in. It's going to make my athlete feel successful. It's going to create buy-in into our hippy-dippy breathing. And so that they might be bought in now for one more element of our training that they weren't sure about. Right. So it's, you know, it's got some selfish motives as well. (laughs) Strategic. I wouldn't say selfish, strategic. (laughs) Okay. That sounds much better. (laughs) Well, Sam, you are a trailblazer and I have so much respect for the ways you're changing the sport landscape for women athletes. So how can folks follow along with the work that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I want to say thank you. Right. So I think, I don't, I don't know when, when May was, but it was sure seems like a long time ago. Um, you know, I sent you a, a very random unsolicited DM on Twitter and said, I see that you work with sports science. I see that you work with female athletes and I see that you work with, you know, adult learning. And I think adult learning is the piece that, that I don't know, or I didn't know anything about, would you be willing to talk with me just so I can learn from you, right? And pick your brain. And you had no reason to say yes, but you did. <laughs> and, um, and so I think some of the opportunities that, that you have given me, the platforms that you've given me to speak on are huge. And I think that they've really changed my career in some pretty monumental ways. And I think also, you know, a friendship, understand, like getting to talk with you is, has been so, I would say just inspiring because, you know, you get it and you understand and, and I don't have to, you know, preface what I'm going to say. And so having a friend like that in the field is, is really, it's super valuable. Um, so I just want to say thank you for you as well, for your time and, and your support to put me on a platform that, you know, that go, it comes back to you. Um, in terms of resources, uh, you know, my email is samraymore at gmail.com. Um, or my school email is, is on our NC State website. Um, my Instagram and Twitter are Sam Moore Strong for both of them. And then my website is called moresportscience.com. Um, and so, you know, there's multiple platforms to get a hold of me and, and to ask questions. And so I think that, you know, the more that we can get this out there, the more female athletes that can be coached in a landscape that was created for them and the more possible that woman-focused model in sport becomes. Well, I share the appreciation, Sam, and I, it, it would it would be kind of cool if our listeners could just get a little snapshot into our conversations. <laughs> we just get so fired up and it's great. I mean, especially right now, while we're all more isolated than we would like. And I think it also just speaks to like the nature of this content and what kind of what we're up against. Like we need allies. So find your allies, hold them close. Um, and then, you know, like I just find opportunities to share that energy and, and that enthusiasm. And that's, I just love that opportunity to do that with you. So thank you for that. And I should share with people um, if you want to, so check out Sam's Twitter and the website. There's some great stuff on there. Sam and I will also be speaking together at the Female Athlete Conference, which is hosted by Harvard and Boston Children's Hospital. And that's going to be in June of 2021. It will be virtual this year. And then um, at the CLA, we're also going to be adding a women's specific coach development training to our existing menu of coach development trainings. 
And because we just, Sam and I both, all of us at the center, we are on a mission to get this word out to folks and make this more mainstream. Um, so Sam, thank you for kind of helping us to kick that off. And I'm sure that, that you will be back on the podcast at some point, because there's so much more to talk about in this domain, isn't there? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so stoked for the opportunities we have coming up. I'm really excited for us. Well, we thank you for this time. And um, yeah, just folks, check her out. There's a lot, there's a lot more to follow and a lot more to tune into, and we'll keep this conversation going. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much.